Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. It is December, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's seasonal if we did a grab bag episode. What do you think? Woo, I agree. <laughs> it's a grab bag. It's Santa's grab bag episode. Santa's grab bag, yes. Santa's magic grab bag. <laughs> I feel like now, before the music starts, there would be like the, the sound of bells. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, I can do that. Right. Sure. And then, and then, and then, you know, and then fade into And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And for tonight's episode, because it's December and because we continue with our unedited pandemic episodes, which are probably just normal episodes now. Um, <laughs> I know. Anyway. Keep saying it. We keep saying unedited pandemic episodes, which somehow implies that they will become edited and scripted post-pandemic. Not yeah, but- likely. There, yeah, like, sorry, sorry, friends. We're probably not going back. We've both enjoyed reclaiming a lot of our lives. Um, fantastic. So, tonight we're going to answer a bunch of questions that we got on Twitter, um, in rapid fire or mostly rapid fire. We're going to address each of them, um, for a couple minutes and hopefully we'll get uh, the interesting information out there quickly like that. Um, so our first question comes to us from uh, the Released Podcast, um, which is at Released Pod. And um, they asked, uh, after what are the layers of gaming? Um, which we did previously. A, which we did previously, right? Um, a sequel about managing changes of layers off, as often this can happen um, and how to support making that a smooth experience. Yep. So really quick by way of very brief um, recap because we did this recently in a previous episode, the layers model, which is a thing that um, Chris and I kind of put together on Misdirected Mark, is the idea that um, that your consciousness floats between different layers. Um, we've also, you know, kind of spread them out. They don't have to be like sequential layers, but that basically your conscious is in different um, areas at different points in the game, be it your character, be it the story, be it uh, the mechanics, the campaign, even your physical self. Like, how are you doing? Hungry, got to go to the, you know, hungry, need a snack, whatever. Um, And that throughout the game, your focus, your mental focus travels between those different areas. And uh, so I think what what we're, what we want to talk about is um, how to manage that or how to make that smooth, because there are definitely ways to, there are definitely ways it can be jarring, which then implies there are definitely ways that we can, um, we can make some of those transitions smooth. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect okay. sense. So if you aren't familiar with the layers thing, I need you to go back to a previous episode mm-hmm. of ours. I don't remember exactly which one it is, but if you yeah. check the webpage, you'll find it. It's pretty recent. <laughs> and worst case, just go hit the, you can also go check the misdirected mark as well. You might where it, that might be in the backlog. I don't know. We there's yeah. so many misdirected mark episodes. <laughs> there is a point where anyway. they're just not all there. Moving moving right along. Moving along. So yes, um, and, and the reason I think this is important, right? And I think the reason why it's a, a good question and one to talk about is that when we're playing a game, we there are times where we want to be in a certain um, in a certain fo- in focus, and and times where we. Um, don't want to be in other ones. And so sometimes if something causes us to switch into one, like it can kind of jostle, like mentally jostle the game. 
Um, and other times we, there are times where we actually need to go to a different place, right? So we might need to go from the character layer into the game layer because we now need to like talk about me, like we need to do mechanical things. Right. Okay. Um, so, um, what do you want to, do you want to, do you want to add some? Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for you to, to talk about actually our first point. Oh, on this I'm one, happy to. Is, Let me do it. Yeah. Cause I think that this was the best thing for you to talk about. So please feel free to jump in yeah. on that. Okay. Good, good, good. I just wasn't hundred percent sure which way we were going with that, but I'm happy yeah. to take that first bullet. Um, do it. so it was I, your bullet. Yeah. So I think <laughs> in terms of, and I, and I wouldn't recommend in all my years of, of, of GMing, I, I have not consciously set out to do this as much as I've, um, I think done this in, in, at times more just because I was doing other things, but you want to like, you can, you can look at these layers with a kind of beat analysis, right? Which when we talk about that, right, we're talking about like Robin Laws's um, like Hamlet hit points, the idea of story beats. Um, and, and when I say that the shorthand of beat analysis means that, and I'll, I'll just give you the super condensed version, right? Um, changing beats from time to time is really good. Changing beats too quickly is jarring and not changing beats often enough can drag things out and feel like long or boring. Right. So there is, you know, if you look at um, movies and things like this, you you will see these kind of beat changes and good movies have just like kind of the right frequency of beat changes um, and movies that kind of fall short typically fall into one of those categories, either too few or too many. Same thing holds true with your mental focus in a game. Um, it's great. And, you know, this will vary by group to group. It is great if you are like in the story layer for a while, but also beat wise, it is, it can also be fun to go after being in the story layer for a little while, jumping up to the game layer because you're going to get into some like crunchy combat. Right. Or the thing that I notice actually specifically with my group is we tend to hang out in the story layer a lot, but we also break between scenes. Right. So we like we like hardcore story, story, story or character, character, character. Kind of we we live right in there. Right. And then we get to the end of a scene and we all like take a collective like, ooh, like that was really cool. And we come all the way up to personal to personal. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and 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 that's that kind of beat thing. Um, You know, we impose that in um, Turning Point. Yes. Right. Turning point. Yep, we did it specifically. Yeah. Turning yeah. point has this kind of um, this de-escalation because it takes you out of the story and character um, by forcing you to engage the mechanics again to do you know uh, the scoring and picking the next scene and setting up the next scene and then and then and then drops you right back into it. Um, yes. Same thing's true for your game, right? So you can watch your game, like, uh, and I'm not saying. Let me be clear. Like, if you're having a whole story night and it's really jamming, you can just have a yeah. whole story night. Just it is have okay. A story night. Yeah. Um, but in general, like, if you've had a bunch of story and you want to change beats, like now moving to like the mechanics layer because you're going to get into a chase, a combat, you know, uh, some skill checks, something like that, um, will kind of you know change focus, right? And then uh, then you can just have it come right back. Or go somewhere else, like a break, whatever. Um, and and having those things are what gives us that that you know those up and like I don't want to say up and down beats, but in this case, the change of focus beats. Yeah, 
And I think the reason that this can be tricky, right, is because um, a lot of times game mechanics impose these beat changes on us because you need to pull out and engage the mechanics or, you know, whatever that thing is. Generally, it's like to engage the mechanics or something along those lines um, that will pull us out when we're not necessarily looking for it. And so, um, you know, as possible, one of the ways to smooth this stuff out is to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're logical about like which layers you're going to, like everybody's kind of feeling that same thing, um, that there's some sort of lead in or that you have some sort of transitional moment when possible. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just a thing, like, it's not always possible because sometimes the game is going to tell you the moment this happens, roll the dice or something along those lines, right? But as the GM, when you see something coming, it means you can start to telegraph this stuff, right? So if you're story layer, story layer, story layer, and you're, like, having a really intense story scene, but you know that the next thing that's going to happen is combat, then, you know, maybe while they're having this really intense personal exchange um in the guard tower um they they know they have to finish this conversation because it's really important but they can also hear the sound of combat outside getting louder right or so the clash of swords on shields is already like right outside the window and they're you know um so you know the next beat that's going to happen is that somebody's going to kick in the door and they're going to start fighting yeah it's a really good point right so you can start to foreshadow um foreshadow those things as a way of being able to say like hey we're going to move into this section um Mm -hmm. which again combat is its own beat um yeah and and because it it hits it it, it's a it's both a story beat but also generally in many games forces you to live at the mechanical level yeah and and you know there are going to be people who are going to say like well i do you know story stuff or character stuff in the middle of combat you absolutely do because again your consciousness can switch but um i think we all know if you've played any kind of like high level pathfinder there's a point where (laughs) you just stop going into other layers yeah, like we've been doing this combat for an hour and like now all of my focus is just on like how do I murder this thing as fast as possible and conclude the combat um because like it's been going on for a really long time. Right. And we like we all know this. Like we all know this like when you first start combat you're like narrating your attacks. Yes. You're like, you know, like I swing majestically and my sword flashes in the light and then you know an hour in you're like I'm going to hit it with my sword. <laughs> 16. I rolled a 16, uh, nine a 16, points of damage. Does that hit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Right. Like they, like the, and again, this is that beat thing, right? Like the longer the combat goes on, like mm-hmm. you become mired in that one layer, which is also why, and we've talked about this on this show and we've talked about it on misdirected Mark is that having other things that happen in combat. Right. Is the kind of thing that breaks this up. Like, purposely putting a dialogue into the combat, like a moment of drama, like you lock eyes with, you know, you lock eyes with, you know, your paramour that you've been at odds with, right? Like your love-hate relationship and you have this like, you know, dramatic moment as you're eyeing each other. Like, are you going to kiss? Are you going to kill each other? That kind of like, and then back to combat, like that will like, that will help, like that will help keep it like fresh. So, and I will just, I'm just, this is occurring to me because we're having this conversation, right? And I, I listen to Skyjacks. I really love Skyjacks. But one of the games that's actually really, really good at pushing narrative into the mechanical layer like that is actually Genesis. 
I don't know if you've no, no, like, I've played, I've played, played Genesis before, right? But like Not when deeply, you start, but... I mean, because you can play the um, the threats and advantages as very mechanical, like you can, sure, but like you don't have to and when you play them narratively they create those moments where you're like you went out to the mechanical level and then you engage the mechanics you counted out a bunch of like yellow and green and purple and red dice and then you rolled them and then you like figured out what that answer like what they meant because you have to read the tea leaves but then like you're left with those threats and advantages and then you have those things where like um, a moment occurs to me and this is why I'm talking about this where like you know, it was a threat, and so it was a bad thing that was going to happen to one of the main characters, but it was one of those moments where, like, the bad guy, way over, like, way far away, locked eyes with one of our protagonists and, like, realized he's the one we're here for. I'm going after him specifically. Dun-dun-dun! But, like, the eye contact moment was like, ooh, right? But, like, that took me to narrative, even though the thing that drove it was mechanical. Sure, that's fine. So, it's really cool. And so, the the reason that I bring that up specifically is just, like, there are games that do um, some of these layer transitions very seamlessly, depending on how you engage in the mechanics. And some of them are built to... And and I don't I don't know that all and I I can't think of any game that does every transition seamlessly right but there are games that excel at specific transitions. Sure. So again, depending on what layers you like to play in, there may be games that would be better because they they shift between some of those layers more smoothly already mechanically because they were built that way. Cool. Um. Yeah. So I, I think that pretty much sums up what we wanted to talk about with layers. I will add one more really quick thing, which is we talked about the personal layer. It was the one that we kind of added in. Um, and so uh, it's one that you can resolve in advance and make sure is smooth just by like being prepared with like snacks, drinks, and like knowing you're going to take bio breaks and telegraphing bio breaks for things. So you can be like, hey, guys, when we finish this round of combat or when we finish the scene or whatever, we're going to take a break. Um, so that's... Uh, that's another thing. Like that's an easy one to just smooth over. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And, and you know, and that is again, like if people are getting thirsty or, you know, hungry or whatever, and you haven't Maybe. addressed it, like it yeah. will start to creep up in their minds. It will, it'll get them. It'll get them. It'll get them. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, cool. So moving right along, our next question comes from Matt Bonoff. Um, and they asked, how do you make a game satisfyingly heartwarming and wholesome in one shots and campaigns? Oh my, this is like, this one, this one is like a very much a you, um, <laughs> a you question. I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn this over and I'm going to be the, uh, I'm going to be the secondary on this one because okay. this is very much um, your bag and very much not mine. Like I, not that I oppose these style of games, but these are not games that I'm well versed in, nor have I played um, and you have actually played and uh, a lot more of this than I have. Yeah, I would like, honestly, I would like to play in a lot more of them. I have not played in as many of them as I wish that I had. Um, but having said that, um, the easiest way to do this is to use a game that's been built to do this. Um, a couple of examples that come to mind are Golden Sky Stories, of course, um, Ash Crider's upcoming Our Traveling Home, which we are currently airing on She's a Super Geek, and which you can expect to see sometime early in 2021 on Kickstarter, which, oh my gosh, just, yes, <laughs> please, please, please go make that very successful for them, please. It, I love it um, very much. Um, 
so uh, jumping off from that, there are, I think, some key things that we can outline if you want to be playing a different system, one that isn't necessarily built for this, but you still want to accomplish some of that like wholesome, heartwarming feeling. Um, there's some important things you have to kind of do to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think... The first one, I'm gonna I'm gonna rearrange the order of these. Yeah, that's fine. Changed my mind. <laughs> I'm going off script. Um, so I think the first really important thing is uh, if you aren't playing a game that was specifically built to create this kind of story, um, the the games that were built for this are going to guide you into. Um, focusing on the right things and having the kind of decisions that lead you <clears throat> into having this sort of story, right? So if we talk about our traveling home, then like the scenes are focused on things like everyone making dinner together and like what everyone contributes to that like family dinner together, right? And like that's a scene that you play and it's fun and cool and all of the things, right? But if you're not playing a game that drives that for you, then the very first most important thing that you can do is that you have to make sure that all of your players are going to be on board with the tropes of this kind of story or the kind of specific wholesome story that you're going for. Um, There are a couple of sort of, I guess, genres of heartwarming and wholesome you could address, right? Like, um, when's yes game that I love and have talked about a bunch, which you can get now in um, love and resistance um, is a super heartwarming, wholesome story um, about people falling in love. And it tends to feel reminiscent of like, um, or I've played it a bunch of times of being like Hallmark movie-esque. It doesn't have to be, right? But I've played it that way a bunch. And that's a little bit different than when we talk about things like Golden Sky Stories, things that are a little bit more like Hanabono um, Studio Ghibli um, stuff. So you, you have to have everybody on board with like, what kind of wholesome story are we telling here? What are the tropes that go with that? And are we all on board to make that happen, even though these mechanics aren't going to tell us to? Sure. And if we're, you know, like, like I think when we were brainstorming this before the show, we were talking about like making a wholesome 5e adventure. Um, yeah. And I think it's perfectly fine to like say to your players, like, hey, it's coming around to the holiday season. And, uh, you know, I would like to do a uh, something a little different as a one shot. I would like to do this like wholesome game that kind of like takes it's like a little um, it, it is a little vignette that occurs in the fabric of our campaign um, amidst everything that's going on currently in the campaign. But we're just going to do this like little thing because it's holiday time and we're going to do like our quote holiday special. Right. Yes. Right. Like and, you can yeah, totally yeah, yeah. pitch it like that. You can totally do that. Yeah. And then, but and then, just give them an idea of like what tropes are you? Is it is it the Grinch who stole Christmas? Like what kind of story are you telling? Yeah. What are the tropes? Right. Um. So you know that's that's just the first thing. So, um, from there, um, I think the next most important thing is like what is the objective, right? So if you have an end goal that end goal has to be something wholesome or helpful or like uplifting and happy, right? It can't be, the objective can't be kill the bad guy. That's not going to work, right? Right. The objective in our 5e camp, like holiday campaign could be we need to deliver the Starfall presents to 
the children in the village over the mountains. Yes. That's fine. Yes. That's, that's fine. That's great. That's a very, that I could get on board with that kind of wholesome story for, for a one shot. Right. Um, or, you know, the, the objective might be these two people or like these, this, this, this group of people is going to find um, a found family or a relationship that accepts them. Like those are also good, acceptable, fun objectives to play in this kind of scenario. Um, and I love them. <laughs> which it, which leads us to the next thing, which is that the focus in these, um, at least the ones that I really enjoy, and no one's going to be surprised by this, right? The focus tends to be on the relationships themselves. And we're not talking about antagonistic relationships. So like I loved playing cartel, but that was no heartwarming, wholesome story, right? That was like, we all had problems with each other. Um, and the idea with something that's more heartwarming and wholesome is that you're more specifically going for um, creating moments to have vulnerability with each other. And then that vulnerability working out well, right? And being healthy and advancing your relationships, making people closer together um, and happier. I mean, this is Find where... acceptance, yeah. <laughs> well, this is where I'm thinking, like, for instance, you're, um, you know, you're taking these, like, hardcore 5e characters, right? You're having right. them deliver toys, <laughs> but you're having them, like, you, you have them take an NPC with them so that you have, like, a way to kind of... Um, interject yourself into their into their like moments like maybe at some point they're making camp in the mountains and you know the toy maker or whatever is like you know hey so like what you know like what was your favorite toy as a kid right right and just or getting like, them to open up around the campfire about like oh well when i was a child like i had this toy and you know and then somebody else contributes that kind of thing right like yeah um or like, wow, if I were going to create that moment, you know what I would actually do? The toy maker would definitely be some sort of magician who specialized in toys who would then like create those, like recreate those childhood toys so that they could have like magical adult moments reunited with them for the night or something. And then they would disappear in the morning. Oh, yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like give them the chance to have, you know, a heartwarming emotional moment relationship. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is like this, this is not to say that there can't be combat. The emphasis of the story is not the combat. Um, combat may happen in the story as a driver of the plot that is actually the objective um, or as a driver <clears throat> for the encouragement of relationships and vulnerability within those relationships, right? So combat can be used as a tool to create that, but combat is not the purpose of the story nor the purpose of the objective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that one's important, right? Because like, um, if you think about I, I'm, you're, you're, I'm just really on Studio Ghibli. But anyway, I won't give examples. We, we don't want to spend too much time. That's fine. That's but, fine. <laughs> but I love them, right? Go watch Howl's Moving Castle. Um, or like Castle in the Sky, right? Like combat happens. It's totally there. But like it's not the thing that gets us there. Um, it's just a backdrop that pushes our characters further into their relationship and their objective that is the heartwarming, wholesome objective, right? Um. 
uh, yeah, use challenges that encourage teamwork. Sure. Whether that means making dinner together or whether that means climbing a mountain together. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Make them do things in ways that require them to trust each other (laughs) and give them moments to explore that and choose to trust each other. Fun. Um. Yeah, I'm talking a lot. Do you want to no, talk about? No, listen. The next one? <laughs> I I said I said at the beginning of this question that this was very much um, your wheelhouse and not mine, and I am 100 percent on everything you're saying. And kind of like in my head, I can like I could easily see how to make this 5e game um, where delivering toys and overcoming, you know, the the mountain and, um, you know. At some point, climbing the mountain, you lose like the pack full of food. And so everybody forages to find food. And we tell like a story about everybody like finding, you know, finding whatever we're going to make dinner out of. Right. And then and then managing to pull together some sort of meal that makes everybody really happy and that they'll talk about for years to come because it was really about the companionship the whole time. Right. Like this is what you have to hit. That's the note you have to hit. Yeah. (laughs) And and I think the thing that we're saying here, right, is that um, you can you can make you can you can hit these tropes, right? These these tropes are these are tropes, right? They are tropes. Yeah. You can go. You, you can, can go them. to. Um. You can go to. Uh. What is it? Um. Uh. TV tropes, right? Yep. Dangerous. And, yeah. And you can uh, you can look these up, right? You can go look up any one of the movies that you've named, and you will find all the tropes in it. Um. And you can inject them into your own game to make this happen, right? Like it totally can happen. Um, and I think with everything else that you've already said about, you know, pitching it first, um, getting buy-in. Um, and I, th- you know, and again, when we, you know, we talked about um, in the previous question, we talked about beat, beat changes and stuff like this. Like this kind of um, one shot in the middle of your campaign could be yeah, like really. Could be a beat change, yeah. It could be really um, like a cool beat change. Like, for instance, one of the. Um, one of the things I did that was kind of really wholesome in my um, Tales from the Loop game was, um, and we did it at the end of a mystery, um, it, although it happened a little bit during the mystery as well, was we had um, the winter ball. Yeah. Which which yep. the middle schoolers, you yes. know, had to, like, <laughs> you know, they... You know, are they going to take dates? Are they going to get dressed up? Like, and and that was like, we had a whole thing about, you know, um, about the winter ball as the, it, it, it was, it started in the foreground at the beginning of the scene. And then the mystery kind of came into play and it like appeared in a few, you know, like the discussion came up about it, like at lunchtime in school. And then they went back to the mystery. But then when the mystery concluded, like we then finished playing out the the you know the whole winter ball and who got dressed up and what was the dance like and and all and and that was i mean i just i was just thinking of it as you were talking about this like that was my version of a wholesome um side plot yeah yep there was no that fighting was there was no like no fighting, it was nothing. it was the the npcs that you were playing with were also like on board and mm-hmm. generally also wholesome and matched the tone right like right. if you're going to play a wholesome game you can't then toss in a pc who's still playing cutthroat to murder no. everybody no and their challenge you know? their challenge was the mystery right they had to yeah, get yeah. through the mystery to get rid of to it get to the in, wholesome part in order to get to the wholesome part which was to go to the winter dance 
Yeah, and I'll just, I mean, I'll just say, go look up She's a Super Geek, um, the, the last episodes that we're dropping in 2020. Um, they are Our Traveling Home by Ash Kreider, and um, this game is delightful. <laughs> and I love it, and I'm hoping to go play it again, because I want more wholesome in my life right now. Yes. Yeah. Good. All right, good. We, are we good to wrap this one? Yeah, I think we're good on that one. Um, so we have one more question, which yes. is from um, Alex Guerrero. Guerrero. I am so sorry. I have a name that everybody always mispronounces, so I'm always terrified <coughs> to mispronounce other people's names. Um, who is a fractal dragon on Twitter? Which, by the way, is a cool it's Twitter very handle. Cool. <laughs> let's just be. Let's just be. Let's just be clear. A very cool Twitter handle. Okay. Right. So they asked also, how do you tell if you are taking up too much spotlight as a player? Yep. So I'm going to preface this by saying that um, it whether you are taking up too much spotlight yourself or whether the GM is putting too much spotlight on you, everything we're about to tell you works. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to worry about the root cause, right? The, yeah. The There's a whole other set of um, discussions we could have about spotlight problems from the player side from the gm side but alex's question is basically asking um is there a way and i'm inferring um that it's you are a player trying to figure out if you are taking up too much spotlight time from the other players yes does that seem like a fair assessment of that question Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing that then I will say is what we're about to list is a number of things that can imply that you may be taking up too much spotlight time. Um, but if one or two of these things is happening in an isolated way, they are not 100% tells, right? They're just hints. So depending on your game, your table, your people, um, you have to, you know, make some judgment calls about how to read these signals. If, if like, all of them are going off, they're all red flags, like, okay, you, you probably need to back off a little bit, right? But, like, these are just hints, things to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. So w- the best way that we can tell you in the heat of the game... Um, heat of the game. I'm impressed, Sorry, actually. continue. <laughs> no, it's okay. I really didn't think you were going to head there, but thank you. Um... <laughs> So if you're in the middle of the game and you're kind of wondering this to yourself, like, boy, am I spotlighting too much? Like, am I like, am I hogging the spotlight? The best way to do this is by kind of comparing yourself to the rest of the table, the other players at the table, right? This is your only real benchmark because ideally, right? And 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 again, we're not dealing in absolutes, right? We're not Sith. Um, I, <laughs> ideally, everybody is getting an equal spotlight time at the table. Right. Asterisks. There are certain people who might not want equal spotlight time and they have their own amount of spotlight time. But we're not dealing with that right now. Ideally, at a table, um, if you're all sitting there, you're all getting about the same amount of spotlight time. So what you're trying to figure out is if you're getting too much spotlight time and there is a finite amount of spotlight time within a given game session and within a series of game sessions, because if you're playing a one shot, you can only look in in terms of what's going on in the game you're playing in a campaign. um, You can look at not only the individual session, but you could look at a string of sessions because sometimes a session will focus on like one or two players more than others. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. but 
no matter what unit of time you take, there is a finite amount of spotlight time in the game. And you're looking to see if you have the same amount as everyone else. And if you have too much, then you are leaning towards using too much spotlight time for whatever reason. Okay, so that is like that is the premise by which we're going. And so what are some of the questions you can look at to kind of assess whether you have a larger share of spotlight than everyone else? Yeah. Is your plot overtaking the entire game? Like, is this all about you and not about anyone else? And, you know, as we said, maybe this session it is, but next session it's not. Is this one shot and you're only playing about you? Hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're playing like, you know, a campaign and this one is about you, that's that might be fine. But if next week's is also about you, you? like now you want to raise your eyebrow like "Mm." and and the next one. (laughs) Right. Like, "Mm." exactly. Okay, so, yeah. Is your plot taking over everyone else? Great question. What's another one? Um, Are you talking more than everyone else, which is sometimes hard to judge. Right. It is. There's there's a lot of things both about like how we perceive our own speaking and then some other really interesting numbers about how we perceive um, uh, men speaking versus women speaking, like in terms of how they're perceived by society. And then like, I'm sure there's also information about how we, you know, perceive um, other marginalized people speaking versus, you know, I mean, so there's all sorts of bits to that, but like to the best of your ability to gauge, are you talking more than everyone else? And this is why this one is the least reliable this one is of not the markers, right? Like because you, there are so many ways that we are socialized to mess this one up. Correct. So this is not the one of the of the of the of the things that we're going to tell you to look at. This is not the one you should um, solely rely on if your answer is no. Okay. If your answer is yes. It is probably true and possibly worse than you think it is, right? Like, if you're like, I am talking more than everyone else, and you're thinking, but only a little, it might not be only a little, right? Right. Um, Unless you're me, in which case you're like, oh my God, I'm talking so much, but you might actually be talking the same as everyone else. Yes. Like, that also happens, right? And this is one of those things where it becomes a weird, like, how are we socialized? We're going to get fine. to the ultimate, <laughs> at the end of this list, we're going to get to yeah, the, ultimate, to the, ul- the okay. ultimate question <laughs> that helps solve this. Yes. But but just again, we're talking about in flight. Yeah. We're talking the about heat, in flight the things. The game. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so you can judge yourself against how much you're talking versus everyone else. Talking being a sign of how much you're in the spotlight. Again, we find this one to be very subjective, highly unreliable. Uh, and subjected to a whole lot of socialization. So much. Yes. Okay, what's 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 the next one? Are people getting bored while your scene is going? I think this one is a much better indicator. This one I do think is a much better indicator as well, right? Yes. Because it takes people a little while, A, to get bored, and B, um, to be, <laughs> to basically like get to the point where they no longer care if they show that they're bored. Yes, most people have a tell <laughs> when they start to get bored. Right. So um, they could be like fidgeting with their dice, like, you know, the classic dice stacker. Um, They could be messing with their phone if your phones are at the table. Uh, They could be looking up stuff in the book. Um, They could just be kind of staring off. Right. Like so. And you know what your friends look like. If you're playing if you're playing with people, you know, 
you know what they look yeah. like when they're bored. If you don't know, some of the things I just mentioned are pretty good telltale signs that people are kind of bored. Right. Right. So, and I think that one's more reliable because I, because I like you said, like, if you just start noticing that people are looking disengaged or annoyed or like spacey, like, and you're still talking. Yeah. You're probably too much in the spotlight. Time, time to wrap the scene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and then what's your, what's your other one? Um, are you jumping into other people's scenes consistently without being invited or jumping in on their decision making? Alpha gaming them. Yeah. Are you yeah. alpha gaming? Which, like, this is an interesting one for me personally. It's one that I have to pay a lot of attention to, right? So this is one that I'm very cautious about and I'm constantly cognizant um, about. Am I walking that line, right? Because if someone sits there and they get asked a question and I'm GMing or, you know, facilitating or whatever, and they sit there and they go, um, and then I get silence for a while, I'm like, okay, how long do I wait before I start jumping in with <laughs> options? Like, I'm not going to make the decision for you, but I'm like, here's some ideas, right? Like, I don't know. So, so that, uh, no, no, I run, in, I run into this too, right? Because there, so because I GM so much, when I'm watching a scene unfold, and especially yeah. if you're like playing like something like PBTA, where it's like uh, on a seven to nine, you got to pick a thing. Yeah. Right. Like, I, like my instincts, like my GMing instincts, will be like, oh, pick that one. That that's gonna make a much, in, you know, like that makes a much more interesting story. But I try, and I don't say I always succeed. I try mm-hmm. very hard. Not to say that out loud. Yes. Right? Like, yes. I try to say it on the inside. I'm yes. not saying I always succeed at this, right? Sometimes I just yes. say it on the outside. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I will say it on the inside. And if I'm doing it properly, if somebody gets hung up, then I might just ask, like, oh, do you want a suggestion or are you just thinking it through? Yeah. Right? And so, and sometimes, you know, the player will be like, no, 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 I, I got an idea. I'm just trying to word it out. And yep. I'll be like, cool, cool, right? And I'll back off. Or sometimes people will be like, no, no, I, if you got a suggestion, tell me. And I'll be like, oh, I think you should pick, you know, this one because blah, 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 blah. Right? Right. I mean, I think the key thing about this is basically like as long as your character or you personally are not jumping in in such a way that you are removing agency from another player. Right? Like. I mean, that's the alpha gamer, right? Like that's. Don't alpha, don't alpha game. Um that's that's really what it is. And there's another part to that, which is jumping into other people's scenes without being invited. If you've just had three scenes in a row and this is the first time that this person has gotten to do anything in 20 minutes or 40 minutes, then like maybe let them have this. Yeah. Right? Like So like there's that too, which is how many scenes have been yours in a row and do you need to be in all of the scenes? Yeah, I try to do a thing like when I come out of a scene, like if I've just had a scene. Yeah. Um. I very much try to kind of uh, shrink a little in my seat. Yes. Um, so like maybe because so I like to take notes when uh, when I play because I like to, you know, jot notes down. So I remember things or whatever. Um, I also will also write sometimes notes if I get a little bored, like I'll write notes to myself. But it's the kind of thing that keeps my brain engaged, like while other things are happening at the table. Yeah. So like after a scene, like I will kind of like shrug down a little lean over like my notebook um, and write stuff, which is my physical indicator to myself to like make yourself small and stay out of this. Right. I will specifically call myself out. I play a lot of games that are scene based and they tend to have setups that are things like, you know, pick some characters to have this scene with. Right. And so, um, you know, it'll turn around if I was just in a scene, then I will usually be like, cool, I was just in a scene. Why don't you pick someone else unless there's some really strong reason for me 
to be in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like I try never to be in two, like in yeah. those kinds of games, never be in never the same in scene twice. Never two in a row. Yeah. I will wait till like everyone else is like, no. And then I'll be like, okay, okay. I, I could. I mean, like I if you guys are okay with to. that. Yeah. 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 Which gets us to the ultimate question, it which does, is not, it does. which is not the in-game question. It is a game. Yes. It is a question you can ask during a break in between sessions or whatever, which is the other way that you can figure out if you're taking up too much time as a, too much spotlight time as a player is to simply ask, ask the rest them. of the table. Ask it is, them. It is. Ask I hate. I hate to cough up that good communication is solves almost all GMing problems, but it but. does. <laughs> um, so if you have used those other indications while you were playing, and you have you know become concerned, and you know you hit a break, you can be like, "Hey, everybody, like." Am I like too on tonight? Like, am I in too many scenes? Am I just like too like forward alpha, whatever? And just be open to the fact that somebody might be like a little bit, man. Like you've, you know, like kind of just been like really like pushing on scenes tonight and be like, all right, cool, cool. I can back, like I'll back that off. And sometimes they'll be like, don't, don't. Like I was down, like I've had cases where I've played in games where like I was down in energy. And somebody else like was really on that night and they kind of like pushed into a couple more scenes. And I was like, man, I'm kind of thankful you pushed into those scenes because yeah, you like, took it, took the onus off of me. Like, yeah. Like I was able to kind of like fade back because I was tired. I was upset or whatever. So you taking too much spotlight isn't always the worst thing because I mean, we could nuance this whole thing out to a whole episode and maybe we will some someday later. But asking, just ask. It may not be, the answer may be yes, and it may not be a bad thing. The answer may be yes, and then you'll be like, cool, I will ratchet myself back. Right. Or the answer may be no. Yeah, the answer might be no. And then it could be like, oh, okay, I was misreading things. Yeah. That's I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good grab bag. Thank you very much to everyone who contributed to this uh, this week's grab bag. Um, We will do more grab bags and we'll talk about how we do that in a moment when we get to the closing. But first, in order to get to the closing, there is an obstacle that we must overcome on our wholesome journey through this episode. Uh, And that is to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network, which you will do right now. Yes, I will. Any moment now. Any moment when you Any look it up. moment is, now. It isn't like we do this every show. <laughs> we don't write notes anymore. So, like, I don't remember to set this up in advance anymore. Yes. I was just trying to look up and figure out which show I haven't talked about. How about while, the bonus experience? I feel like I just keep talking about the same ones. Yeah, let's talk about bonus experience. Bonus experience is great. Bonus experience is two queer women talking about games. And making really awesome dumb jokes. Mm-hmm. And also they have an editor named Margaret who likes the most disgusting sandwiches. That's pretty gross. Ever. And we know that they're classy because they also like sparkling water. Yes. So yes, you should they... probably go listen to them. Yes, they do. <laughs> that is my bespoke. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, bonus experience. They are awesome. Yes. All righty. Say Senda. How do people find? How do people reach us on the internet? Because that's going to be key to our next point. Yes. Um. Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on the Misdirected Mark forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. 
Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, and fill once they have us one of those places or write down that information. What can they do with that? You do not have to wait for us to call out for a grab bag episode to leave us it's questions. true. You can just anytime you want, like, leave us a question, a comment, ask us to talk about a topic. Like, you don't even, like, you don't have to be real specific. Like we'll, we'll figure it out. We are really good now at making shows out of whatever you throw at us. It's um, true. So just do that. Like whatever, here's the thing. I talked to Senda quite a bit. We talk about <laughs> gaming a lot. Yeah. If we were just to do the things that we talked about, it yeah. would not be as much, it would not be as, it would not be as much fun for all of you no. um, because we've covered a lot of ground that isn't on the mics and yes. you know, you just be like, uh, why are they always talking about this stuff over and over? It's the same stuff. <laughs> right. What's better is when the things that we talk about can help you have better gaming experiences. That is really the reason we're here. We talk all the time, but when we talk to you about having better gaming experiences and then some of that goes into you having better gaming experiences, that's oh, awesome. And we like yes. that. Or as the kids say today, that's fire. Okay. Oh, is that what they say? Oh, I oh. I have a teenager. I learned oh, this. Boy. That's fire. Right. So <laughs> oh, no. if you take this advice <laughs> and you have an so awesome old. game, that's fire. Okay. <laughs> All right, so do that. Just do that, and if you give us stuff, we'll make episodes out of it. Um, we love it. We really do. If you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get uh, some things. They get the they get the after show from this show, which used to be the bonus outtakes. Which I'm still labeling it the bonus outtakes. It's fine. So it's whatever. the bonus outtakes, but it's sometimes just us talking. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You get the outtakes from the Misdirected Mark when that's back on the air in January, and it will be. Um, we're just on our holiday hiatus. Um, you get access to the Slack from Slack Room for Life. Um, I don't know if I would have gotten through this pandemic without the Slack Room for Life. Um, yeah. I love these people. Um, way early in the pandemic, like end of February, early March, we uh, we opened up a COVID-19 discussion room for us to share information and to kind of talk about our frustrations and our fears and things like that. And that room has been um, active all through the pandemic and it's been great. Um, we have, you know, we talk about role-playing games. We talk about um, funny stuff. There's, you know, if you're into kink, there's a room where people who are um, of, you know, who are kinksters like to talk about stuff, mostly just post funny memes. Um, it's got some pretty, it's got some pretty funny memes in there. <laughs> um, and, 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 and the other thing that we do is on Fridays, we host a virtual luncheon um, wherever, like it's 1230 Eastern. So that's not everybody's lunch, but you just bring whatever food you want. Um, this lunch is on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> I got him. I can't. Um, Anyway, (laughs) your patronage um, is greatly appreciated. Your patronage is what makes this network a possibility, right? Like it is what handles the hosting, the website, the bandwidth. Oh, on and on and on the equipment, all of that stuff. Um, It it takes a bit to run a podcast network and um, your continuous support has been what makes that possible. So we thank you all greatly for that. There is another thing. We like people to listen to the show. Uh, we are not marketers. 
by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, we're terrible at marketing. Um, we got like one plan. We came up with like one good marketing plan ever. And we just been sticking to like, we've been beating this. We've been beating this thing into the ground, but it is our, if you listen to us, you will love us campaign, um, which has been scientifically proven to work. And therefore we will continue forward on it. So we need, we need your help. We need your help to get other people to listen to us. The most obvious way is if you just recommend us to your friends and family, um, ideally people who play role-playing games. I don't, don't, don't push the show on like your coworkers who don't know anything about role-playing games. They'll find something weird. But anyway, um, tell your other friends who are gamers that, you, you know, give the show a listen. We would greatly appreciate that. There is another thing you can do that helps that helps take your interest or your like of us and translates it to complete strangers. Senda, what is that thing? Well, you can uh, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show because it does things to the algorithm. The magic the magic podcast searchy algorithm spits back things when you type in things like RPGs. Um, so when you say, hey, this one is really good, then it helps us get higher in the search results and then people find us and it's great. But also, A, if you leave something somewhere, let us know about it because there's about a million different places it can be and we can't stock all of them all the time because we have day jobs and we love to read them. So tell us. And then B, if you're like, eh, I don't really want to leave a review or like, um, I already left your review, Senda, don't be greedy. Um, then the other thing that you can do is just tell Twitter. Mm-hmm. Or Facebook, like it's okay. I don't mind. You can tell people that we're co- we're cool. That's yeah, cool. That's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> give a we give a it. holiday present to a podcaster. Leave them a review. <laughs> Say, Santa, <laughs> what is the next wholesome plot that you want to run in an upcoming game? I really want to run a short campaign of our traveling this show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Check, check. Click, click. Those are waveforms. We got stuff to talk about on the back end of the show. Primarily, we need to talk about X-Wings and felt. I made a skirt. But that's all we're saying now, because if I let you off the hook... Before the show, you'll be editing way too much of this. So the decibels, the decibels of my excitement last night were pretty high. Yes. (laughs) Are you ready for the show? Let me get to the top of the notes again. Now from the top. (laughs) Make it drop. (laughs) That's um I don't I don't know where to go. With That's this. some webcast podcast. I don't know. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> uh, That's some pandas game talk. No, we'll have to work on that. I feel like yeah. I feel like maybe a parody <laughs> is needed. 
may have to work on that. That's not going to be one that's going to just. That's not that one. That's not one that's just going to uh, roll off. That's going to that it, to to construct a parody of that complexity is going to require some construction. Like yeah, that's going to require us to go to the lab. We're going to have to write out some. We're going to have to write out some formulas. We're going to you know. <laughs> We're going to need one of those things with the lightning that goes up the, you know, things and we'll need a computer oh, model. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Okay. I would say we would need Everson for this job, but this is like Everson's blind spot. What is? Rap. Whack? Oh, it's just like he's... <laughs> Listen, if you need something from the 70s or 80s rock, even into the 90s, like Bob's your guy. But if it's rap, like it is like it is a total blind spot for Bob. Well, and here I was trying to think about just like, what would you replace? How, how explicit are we going to be in the episode, Well, I mean, this right? is I mean, this is anyway. anyway, we're not doing this now. We're not even getting nope. into this now. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All okay. right. We're going to do we're going to do the grab bag. December grab okay. bag. December grab bag. Oh man, that reminds me. What? There's this backyard against episode with Santa's magic sack. <laughs> I kid oh, you dear. not. That is the oh, actual the 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 kids no. chase the, the kids chase after oh, Santa's no. magic sack and there is a magic <laughs> sack song. Oh no. Uh-huh. That's almost as bad as the and Conan O'Brien is the voice of Santa. No. Yeah. Oh, that's a thing. That's an actual thing. That is. I will find it for you later. The magic sack song. It is. It is. I mean, and that's that is an actual kids show. Not not the two beaver song from How I Met Your Mother, which, which was is a, just a fake kids show. Right. Which is hilarious and one of the funniest moments of that uh, series. Okay. Yeah. We need to do this. You ready? Look at me. Uh huh. Focus. Focus. Except the only problem with that is like no, that was really what I was doing was the intro to the thing. Like I wasn't no, I pretending I was doing the actual. But I'm gonna. Somebody's gonna be doing some editing. Well, yeah, because now I have to go find jingle bells.